chapter this week will be Jeremiah 2, and we'll give it the title, A Holy Nation Forgets God and is Charged. In chapter 1, we saw that God chose Jeremiah as basically one man against everybody. He said, I set you over kingdoms and nations and, you know, and uh, everything on this planet, basically, and you're going to tell them my words. And so, obviously, Jeremiah was not liked by many um, because he didn't come with the, um, you know, the politically correct message that everybody wanted to hear. He exposed them for their fraud. He exposed them for their sin, and uh, told them, uh, told them, what, told the people what God wanted him to tell them. Um, and we're also going to see in this chapter when we get uh, into it. Um, we're going to see that there's even a parallel with America in this chapter as far as uh, America starting out as a holy nation, a righteous nation, and then slowly after time forgets God and uh, is possibly going to face charges, legal charges from God himself. All right. Jeremiah 2 verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying... Go and cry. This word cry doesn't mean like, oh, cry like a baby. It means to shout in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou winnest after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown. So this is God wanting Jeremiah to shout to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and say, hey, I remember Way back when you were young as a nation, he's referring to the nation as, as, a, as a woman that he was uh, married to. And he says, I remember back when, uh, back when we got married and how good things were and uh, how you uh, loved me back. But then this is what happens. Israel was holiness unto the Lord. Okay, he's continuing on. Um, she was pure, she was holy, she was righteous, and the first fruits of his increase, and all that devour him shall offend, evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. In other words, if anybody came against Israel in their state of holiness, so to speak, um, God took care of their enemies for them. He defeated their enemies. They attacked his people, they attacked his bride, God wiped them off the map if he had to. Verse 4, then he says, he says, remember that. And then he says, hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all of the families of the house of Israel. Now, I believe this term, this phrase, the house of Israel, is used 20 times in this book of Jeremiah. Okay, The house of Israel. Verse 5, thus saith the Lord, what iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they are gone far from me, and have walked after vanity, and are become vain. So God's pleading with the people. He says, hey, what have I done? What evil have I done that you turned away from me to go after, uh, after all these false gods and, and make yourself vain? You know, you become what you worship. Now think about this. If you worship God, what do you think you're going to become more like? You're going to become more like your father, more like your heavenly father, right? Because you worship him. You're going to become, the term that we hear oftentimes is Christ-like. You're going to become more Christ-like. Well, if you worship uh, false gods 
if you worship money, sex, fame, um, sport, you know, uh, NFL, football, or any other professional sports, if that's all you do, if that's if that's if, if that's what you worship, you become that's what you become. Now think about that. You can either become like God, or you can become like some false god that God considers vanity, nothing, emptiness, no real purpose. Verse 6, Neither said they, Where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, that led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through and where no man dwelt. Okay, So God says, Next, he says, and the people, they, they forgot me, and now they're, they're not even remembering all the things that I had done for them. When I brought them, through the, brought them out of Egypt, led them through this desert land, and actually protected them, fed them, nourished them. They, they don't, he says, God says, they don't even think about that anymore. They don't even remember that. Now, think about how many people don't even care. Well, it's even worse than that. Not only do people not care about the founding of America and its history, they despise it. They hate it. Why do you think they hate it? Because it's what God did for our people. They hate God. They are against God. Therefore, they hate everything that was of God. So when people say, oh, yeah, America's history is evil. They stole the land from the Indians and slavery and all that. All those things were biblical things that had transpired in America's beginning. The people back then followed the Word of God more closely than any limp-wristed church does today that apologizes for everything that the Bible teaches. And, um, and here we are. Verse 7, And I brought you into a plentiful country, to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made, now check this out, mine heritage an abomination. Just think about that for a minute. God says, I gave you this great country. I gave you this great land. I gave you everything. But then you turn around and defile what I gave you and take mine heritage and making it into an abomination. That's exactly what we've done to America today. We've taken this blessed land, this land of plenty, this land that was, that was founded off of the word of God and turned it into a freak show, sexually perverse country that is nothing more than an abomination. And, uh, and well, let's keep reading here. Verse 8, the priest said, where is the Lord? And they that handle the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal, and walked after things that do not profit. Now think about this. People say, well, Pastor Ben, you, you, you seem to enjoy harping on the, the evangelical funhouses and the limp pastors, and aren't they good people? Don't, don't they do a lot of nice things? You know, yeah, they do about the same things as the people did back here that God was displeased with. He says, the priests, they, they don't say, where is the word of God? They don't teach the Bible. They don't teach my laws. What are they doing? They're, they're prophesying by false gods, by Baal. Hey, 
Have all the pleasure you want. Be a homosexual. Live a, a lasciviousness lifestyle um, because Jesus just paid the price anyways. You know, just go ahead and do all that. Um, and, uh, and so on. So God says there aren't any priests, any true priests. There aren't any people that are really teaching my word anymore. They've all, tra- the pastors have transgressed against me. Okay? Well, that was back then. My nice pastor down the road doesn't do that. Does he teach the Bible? Does he teach Jeremiah? You know, the book of Jeremiah? Or is he just cherry pick some nice sounding verses from the New Testament? I mean, think about that. Wherefore I will I will plead with you, saith the Lord, and I will and with your children's children will I plead. For pass over the isles of Chittim and see. He says, I want you to go look at this and send unto Kedar and consider diligently and see if there be such a thing. He says, you go look at some of these foreign nations out there. This Kedar was a, a dark-skinned nation. Go look at what they're doing. Now check out what he says here. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. Think about that. He said, what, he, what he's basically saying here is that these pagan nations, they don't forsake their gods that are nothing. They st- they're loyal to their gods. The pagans remain loyal to their gods. But he says, and these are fake gods that they're loyal to, but I'm the real God, and uh, you don't stay loyal to me. The pagans are more loyal to their false gods than God's people are to the true God. It's amazing. He says this, be astonished. Yeah, it is astonishing. Why would anybody do that? It's stupidity. It's idiocy. Oh, heavens at this and, and be horribly afraid and be, be very desolate, saith the Lord. Now, he's pronouncing uh, judgment upon the nation here. That's why I say he's charging them with these crimes of, of abandoning him. Um, and 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 he says that, uh, you know, the heavens, the skies, every, basically you should be very afraid. If, if your nation gets, God's telling him, you should be very afraid because desolation's coming, both from the heavens and on the earth. And, uh, and you're going to pay the price. For my people have committed two evils. Okay? That's why I said, that's why in the title here I said that God's, I used the word charged. Okay? He's actually charging them from a legal standpoint. He's, he, uh, Jeremiah is presenting this to the whole nation. He's saying, my people have committed two evils. Now check this out. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and so they, they are in apostasy. And what else did they do? And they hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Okay. Not only did they forsake me, God says, but they tried to they tried to find their own uh, systems, their own way for their own ways to salvation. Okay, he says they tried to build their own. Okay, their own cisterns. He says there's broken cisterns that hold no water. Now think, I can give you an example. We've talked about it. Socialism. Oh, socialism is going to save us. The government's going to save us. Governor Walls. He's a master mathematician, and he he talks to all the wise scientists and the best medical professionals around. They'll save us. 
God calls them broken cisterns that can hold no water. These people will not help us. They'll not save us. They will only lead us to destruction. Verse 14, is Israel a servant? Is he a homeborn slave? Why is he spoiled? Okay. Now, obviously, Israel was not supposed to be a servant nation. They were not supposed to be a people of slaves. They were supposed to be the head and not the tail, Deuteronomy 28. They were supposed to be high above all nations and to be a leader of all nations, and other nations were to serve them. But he says, now they act like a bunch of slaves. They act like a bunch of slaves and not masters. Verse 15. The young lions roared upon him and yelled, and they made his land waste. His cities are burned without inhabitant. Now back then we had the Assyrians and, uh, and other nations, obviously the Assyrians and the Babylonians, they, they roared upon uh, the, the children of Israel and, and, and made their land waste, took them, uh, conquered them, killed them, devastated them, violated their women, and took the rest of them off as slaves. And all their cities were left behind, burned without inhabitants. Now, this is going on today. Governor Walls, Keith Ellison, that's for Minnesota. All these other states have their own tyrants that are doing the same thing. They're burning down our cities. Uh, sometimes literally, but other times figuratively. They're trying to, like Damien was mentioning earlier, they're trying to do this globalist great reset. They want to burn everything down and then build it up as something different. Verse 16, And the children of Naph and uh, Tephines have broken the crown of thy head. Okay, These Naph and Tephines, these were uh, cities of Egypt that the Israelites trusted in. They flee there and say, Help us, help us, help us. Give us our freedom. Instead of going to Almighty God. And, um, and uh, that just, that left, uh, they were unable to help them. They were unable to help them. It actually brought them more destruction. Verse 17, Hast thou not procured this unto thyself, in that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God when he led thee by the way? Okay, Have you not brought this upon yourself for, by forsaking God? Now think about this. We were Our motto of our nation is one nation under God. In God we trust. But now we murder all these innocent babies, we celebrate these sexually deviant lifestyles, all these things that God refers to as abominations. We put our trust in these government officials to save us from a virus that kills less than 0.001% of those infected. I mean, we've gone mad. We've gone absolutely crazy because we've forsaken the Lord thy God. And now what hast thou to do in the way of Egypt? He goes, what are you doing down there in Egypt? To drink the waters of Sihor. Or what hast thou to do in the way of Assyria to drink the waters of the river? Again, why are you going to these foreign nations for your salvation? Why are you going down to these foreign nations instead of putting your trust in me? Now think about that. What, how does that apply to today? How does this apply today? Um, globalism, right? All these liberals and leftists and these uh, country club Republicans, they believe in this globalist system that'll be the salvation of the world, be the salvation of mankind. Um, and it's, it's no different. They, they say, hey, let's look to the ways of the heathen. Let's see how they're doing things. Let's, you know, and then let's model ourselves after them. Let, let's trust in them to help us. 
And there's no help from them at all. Verse 19. Thine own... Now this is a true statement, not only for a nation, but even for individuals here. Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that, now check this out, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord of hosts. Now that's, you know, the book of Proverbs says the, be, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And if you don't have the fear of God, you're not going to have any knowledge. You're not going to have any understanding. Um, and, and if you don't fear God, what are you going to not do right away? You're not going to study his word. Why study his word? I don't, God's not going to do anything to me. I can live however I want. I can, uh, you know, walk around parading down the street uh, with my rainbow flag and celebrating sexual deviancy. And I don't, God's not going to do anything to me. I don't, I'm not scared of him. Okay. And that's why they do what they do, but they should be scared. They should be really scared because uh, they, they're going to have to meet their maker and may suffer severe punishment even before that as well. Um, all right. We've got to bring back the fear of God. That's the point of that. For of old time I have broken thy yoke and burst thy bands, and thou saidest... Now check this out. What does that mean? For of old time I have broken thy yoke and burst thy bands. I took you from being slaves in Egypt, and I gave you what? Freedom. I gave you freedom. But thou saidest, I will, I will not transgress. Um, and, then he, and then he goes on to say, When upon every high hill and under every green tree thou wanderest, playing the harlot. And so God says, Hey, you said you wouldn't do this. I gave you freedom. I, I, you know, you were my wife. And then you went around to every single place of sexual deviancy and opened yourself up to every man that walked by. Okay? And yet she still thought she was righteous. And that's what the nation of Israel was like back then. They still thought they were righteous, even though they played around and committed idolatry with all of the heathens that surrounded them. And you say, well, Pastor Ben, what does that have to do with today? You ever hear of multiculturalism, diversity? Uh, you ever see all this, all these people sitting around today doing yoga, being introduced to Eastern uh, religions? Our, all of our people are playing the harlot with all this stuff. Okay, our nation, um, you know, oh, we want uh, we want mass immigration. We want to open the borders uh, to countries from third uh, to people from third world countries. It's compassionate. No, it's not. It's playing the harlot. You want to let these people in because you somehow like their lifestyle or love their gods, and you want to be like them. You want to be like them. You say, well, who would want to be like that? Look at all of our youth that are listening to all this rap and hip hop. Garbage. Okay? Where do you think that stuff came from? It came from the heathen jungles, okay? With a little modern, you know, a little modernity and, uh, you know, um, uh, what do you call that? Uh, you know, um, 
more sophisticated uh, instruments, musical instruments. Okay, and it's blended. In. That stuff that that stuff was came from paganism long ago. Watch one of these, um, you know, pop music videos, and it's like an old ancient pagan sex ceremony taking place before you on a stage. Uh, it's not new. It's not some new music that's never been around. It may be a little different, has a little high technology worked in with it, but it's the same. Verse 21, yet I planted thee a noble vine. Okay? You, you know, people think about America and they, we think about the 1950s as being like the last period of time where there was God, family, and country. You know, planted thee a noble vine. But even all the way back then, think of the pilgrims. Those were noble people. These were people with dignity, with respect, with honor, not these abominations. Yet I planted thee a noble vine, holy a right seed. How then art thou turned unto into the degenerate plant of a strange vine unto me? Okay? How are you turned into being like the pagans, like the strangers? Okay? You were a holy seed, a holy race, and now you're a bunch of strangers unto me. Verse 22, For though thou wash, now check this out, For though thou wash thee with mitre, this is uh, soap, and take thee much soap, yet thine iniquity is marked before me, saith the Lord God. In other words, you can come over here and you know, try to scrub all the filth off of your body, but you still stink with iniquity, is what God's saying here. In other words, no amount of soap, no amount of scrubbing, no amount of anything is going to take away the sin that is upon this nation that God was in covenant with. Okay, The only thing, obviously, we know in the future would be the blood of Christ. That's the only thing. But they could try all they wanted to to scrub themselves with soap, but God still knew Um their iniquity. Verse 23, How canst thou say I am not polluted? I have not gone after Balaam. See the, thy way in the valley. Know what thou hast done. Thou art a swift dromedary traversing her ways. Now the valley of Hinnon, now we'd understand this more if we lived back in biblical times. The valley of Hinnon was probably like you'd consider like um you know, Las Vegas Strip or something like that. It was it was the place where all kinds of disgusting heathen practices were performed. You have your sexual prostitutes, all these temples, and the people went down there and did all their uh, supposedly did all their secret sins and came back up out of that valley and said, "I, I'm in. I, I didn't do anything. I'm innocent, right? I'm innocent. A wild ass used." Uh, a wild ass used to the wilderness that snuffeth up the wind at her pleasure. In her occasion, who can turn her away? All that seek her will not weary themselves. In her month, they shall find her. Now, this is interesting. We're talking about this wild ass, uh, the wild donkey. Uh, I, I found this from David Guzik. He's got a commentary on blueletterbible.com. I thought I would read his commentary because it's better than what I could come up with here to describe this. He says, A donkey used to the wilderness, used to the wilderness that sniffs at the wind in her desire. The next images are of a camel or a swift dromedary or a wild donkey in heat. 
in her time of mating, in her month, with no control over her desire, allowing any and all to mount her. Okay? God said that the Israelites were like this. That they are, they are, they are so, uh, they're, they're, they're steeped into idolatry so bad that, that they're, they're like, a, like a donkey in heat in the wilderness, allowing any and all to mount her. Now does, but, but Pastor Ben, we don't talk about like this in our church. Well, then you don't talk about the Bible, right? You're not talking about the Bible because God uses this plain language when he refers to a whole nation as like a, a, a donkey in heat with immoral, could care less, and just opens herself up to anybody and everybody that comes by. Um, and then he continues on. I got a few more things. Young female camels are altogether unreliable, ungainly, and easily disturbed so that they dash about in an apparently disorganized fashion. That's what the nation was like to him. Apparently, according to Riken and several others, when in heat, now check this out, when in heat, the female donkey goes after the male with a badon. The female ass in heat is almost violent. She sniffs the path in front of her, trying to pick up the scent of the male from his urine. Then she races down the road in search of the male. Do you want to know how hungry our people are to commit idolatry? God just told us right now, picture this animal doing this. Running for it, wanting it. That's why we got all these, you know, in, in our public school system, we got them just... Is falling over themselves to teach unity and diversity and that homosexuality is okay and, and transgenderism and all this stuff. They, they, they're like an ass in heat desperately in search of a male. They love this stuff. Um, I don't know how God could have said this any perfect because when I look at liberals today, this is what I picture. Somebody that's out there letting anybody and everybody uh, mount them. Verse 25, withhold thy foot from being unshod and thy throat from thirst. But thou saidest, there is no hope, for I have loved strangers, after, and after them will I go. Okay? Oh, we gotta have we gotta have mass immigration. We can't have immigration coming from European nations. It's gotta be, it's gotta be from these foreign nations that worship false gods because we are very tolerant and understanding and we must learn from these other people because they have things to offer us. Right? That's what we always hear. These people have things to offer us. We ought to see from their perspective. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, we can sit here and do a little yoga and meditate. Mm, maybe I, I get this inner feeling of joy inside of me. Well, you're like a camel that's getting mounted is what you are. Okay. Um, verse 26. As the thief is ashamed when he is found, so is the house of Israel ashamed. They, their king, their princes and their priests and their prophets, everybody, all those established, the, the entire establishment is corrupt. That's what God is saying. From the king all the way on down. Verse 27, and, and can you imagine Jeremiah? He's not popular for bringing this message. You know, this is offending many people. Imagine you, you thinking you're a righteous Israelite at this time and Jeremiah just got done saying you're like an ass in heat. <laughs> um, you know, it's a little harder to convey the message from the, old, you know, from, the, 
from the Bible. We're not living in those times now. It's a little harder to convey it to people now in our language, but back then, they knew exactly what Jeremiah was talking about. I mean, it was right in their face. Um, Verse 27, saying to the stock, thou art my father, and to a stone, thou hast brought me forth. You know, well, today they say, well, we came from monkeys, you know, we came from evolution. It's the same thing. I came from nothing. I came from a wood or a stone or a cell, same thing. For they have turned their back unto me, and not their face, but in the time of their trouble, they will say, arise and save us. Okay? Now think about this. We're, we're under... A dictatorship right now in Minnesota and other states are as well and people still aren't really crying out to God I wonder how much it'll take before they do I don't know I'm, I'm afraid to know how much it will take before people actually start doing that um, and if they will if they will maybe it'll, for many people it might take the the seven last plagues stored up in the seven vials of the wrath of God and even then it says that they will still blaspheme him Verse 28, but they, but where are thy gods that thou hast made thee? So now God's going to taunt them. Where are your gods? Where are all these gods? Let them arise if they can save thee in the time of thy trouble. For according to the number of thy cities are thy gods, O Judah. Okay. So he says, when you're in the time of trouble and you cry out to me, I'm going to turn around and say, hey, where are the gods that you were worshiping? Why don't you ask them to save you? Right? Why don't you ask them to save you? And obviously everybody knows, we all know, that these gods are false and they can't save. Where are the gods of socialism? Where are the gods of multiculturalism and diversity that you've been, that you've been allowing yourself to be, uh, uh, that you've been opening yourself up to for all these years? Uh, are they going to bring you peace and prosperity and happiness and joy? No way. Verse 29 Wherefore will you plead with me? You have all transgressed. You have all transgressed against me, saith the Lord. In vain have I smitten your children; they received no correction. Your own sword hath devoured your prophets like a destroying lion. Now think about this. I mean, it, it can be very frustrating when you're trying to correct somebody, even one of your own children, and it seems like your correction is not working, and. Um, then you wonder, well, what am I going to do next? You know, I don't want to have to you know, keep meeting out this punishment over and over again. That's the way God feels right now about his children. He's like, no matter how much I punish them and I try to correct them, they're still not listening to me. They're still not listening to me. O generation, see ye the word of the Lord. Have I been a wilderness unto Israel, a land of darkness? Wherefore say my people, we are lords, and we will come no more at all unto thee. You know, this, this would be your hardcore, this would even be your hardcore libertarians um, in this category as well. Uh, we don't need God. We don't need one nation under God. We just need to be, we just, want, we just worship liberty. We just want freedom. Um, uh, you know, Lady Liberty is all we need, you know, that, that, that type of mentality. Um, when the true Christian knows yeah, we love liberty, but we love liberty uh, as an um, as the uh, what do you call it the uh, the result of God's blessings. Okay, that's what we seek God's blessings first, and then we enjoy His liberty. We don't seek liberty first um, 
and and try to be our own lords, our own gods. Okay, but this is what the the liberals are actually a little opposite of this. They don't think they're their own lords. They want they want the government to tell them what to do, which is different, a little bit different. Verse thirty two: Can a maid forget her ornaments or her bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Now, now think about how God can just really make a point here. Um, you know, he's pleading his case and from a legal standpoint even. He says, can, can, a, uh, can a young woman, a young married woman forget her, you know, she's going to go get married. Is she going to forget her wedding dress? Obviously, no, no woman getting married would forget her we- wedding dress. But yet, God being much more important than he is, is forgotten days without number. You know, they'll remember a thing like a, a wedding dress that is very insignificant in proportion to Almighty God, our Creator. But yet people will remember the things that are important to them, but they forget God. Why trimmest thou thy way to seek love? Oh, that's a good one there. Therefore hast thou also taught the wicked ones thy ways. Now, this is, you know, back then they did the same thing. They called every evil and disgusting act a loving act. Love, love, love. And they even taught the wicked their ways. They even taught the wicked to do wicked things under the banner of love. Okay? It's not new. We see it all over the place. Stamped upon every vile and despicable thing, the word love. Also, in thy skirts is found the blood of the souls of the poor innocents. I have not found it by secret search, but all upon thee. In other words, God says, you know, all your sins, that, that all the things that you've been doing, I didn't even have to, like, go search for those sins. They were all over your clothes. I could see them. I didn't have to go secretly search and say, hey, let me check and, and see what kind of sins you've been committing and do a little investigation here under the skirt. He says, it's all over your, it's all over your clothing. I see it. Okay? And you're not even hiding it. The, the point is, their sin was out in the open. Now, that's, you, you look at all this. Uh, I just saw a, uh, an ad for transgenderism on the internet for trying to encourage those people in areas like ours out in the suburbs or out in the country, encouraging them to come forth. It was like there's some TV show about transgenderism out in the suburbs or out in the country. And, um, you know, they don't hide their sin anymore. It's not even embarrassing to them. Verse 35, Yet thou sayest, because I am innocent, surely, now, now what, Think about these people. Not only do they say they're innocent, they say that these things are righteous. We celebrate homosexuality. We, um, you know, I could go on and on. But what all the things that the leftists do, they justify. They say they're innocent. Surely his anger shall turn from me. Behold, I will plead with thee, because thou sayest, I have not sinned. In other words, what God says is, I'm going to punish you because you're sitting there saying, I have not sinned. And, uh, and it will not go unpunished. Why gaddest thou about so much to change thy way? Remember the Obama years? Everybody wanted change, change, change. Well, God says, why do you go around 
Always wanting to change. Now think about that. We've changed the way everybody says that the Bible's old-fashioned. Uh, we don't live by that anymore. It's no longer relevant in a society like ours. Um, God, this is what God says. Is why, why do you want to change everything all the time? And thou, thou also shalt be ashamed of Egypt as thou wast ashamed of Assyria. Okay, Those are people they went to for help. Instead of God, yea, thou shalt go forth from him, and thine hands shall be upon thy head, for the Lord hath rejected thy confidences, and thou shalt not prosper in them. And that is the uh, final verse. So you see throughout that chapter, God was, he told Jeremiah to go cry this in the ears of the people. I mean, you think about Jeremiah. I mean, he's going out into the city. He didn't have the internet and, and uh, TV. He's out there shouting this to the people. And they're probably thinking, what a madman. What a nutcase. I don't believe anything he's saying. But we read the book of Lamentations. Remember? We started out with the end. Now we're going back to why it ended up why everything ended up being destroyed like it was. The book of Lamentations, if, we, if you remember, I mean, everything, I mean, the women were eating their children. The children were dying in the streets. The women were being vi uh, raped and violated by the Babylonians. Everything was burnt up, but yet during Jeremiah's time, the people were laughing at him and mocking him, just as they do today. Um, anybody have any questions or comments? Yeah, that's a good. It's, uh, it's fascinating, and uh, and the biggest thing that gets me uh, more frustrated than anything. I mean, obviously the the heathens and the non-believers and the the left, which I, in my opinion that's the main difference. You got your God-fearing, and you got your uh, godless people. You know, you got two sides. You know. And the godless all want, you know, government is their god or, or the environment is their god or, you know, whatever. You know, being so loving and accepting all these cultures and diversity, and that's their god. But, uh, and that's frustrating, and you wonder how, and smart people can be like that. But mm -hmm. uh, what's more frustrating to me is the, is the churches, and you talk about it, and I love the way you describe them, the fun houses. Um, evangelical funhouses because that's that's what they are and there's there's so many churches and the more we go over this and the more I talk with you I realize it that how how far off they are and how they're just as guilty if not more guilty mm -hmm. than the people that don't know any better these are people that have studied the Bible these are pastors that have gone to seminary these are mm -hmm. You know, supposedly the leaders of the sheep, and uh, and uh, it's just fascinating to me that uh, Satan has uh, got his hands into the churches too, and I guess that's probably the most powerful place he could be. Right, and I and I truly believe that's where this all started. It was the church getting away from. 
the Bible, and then politics followed suit after that. When you talked about verse 28, when you were saying how God was kind of mocking him, saying, well, where are your gods? The one, you know, where are they? How come they're not here protecting you? That's what I thought of, too. I'm like, even the hippie Jesus, you know, that they've all these Christians have created. And it is, it's sad, because you feel like the people that you should be able to be equally yoked with now you can't because, like you said, everything's in the name of love and they've propped up and made up this false Jesus. And then now, like you said earlier, too, we're all just a big bunch of meanies for, you know, mm -hmm. saying there are consequences for your actions. And if you don't repent and if you don't, you know, strive to actually follow the rules, he's going to be standing there saying, where's your fake hippie Jesus? How come he's not here to save you? You know? Right. Yeah, just like in... The That's a good line. I'm going to have to keep... I'm going to have to use that. Where's your fake hippie Jesus? <laughs> Evangelical Funhouse, and where's your fake hippie Jesus? <laughs> but in the New Testament, it talks about that towards the end times or when God returns or Jesus returns, that they'll be like, I served you. I said your name. We prayed to you. We, you know, it's the same thing that was happening back here. They said, we are, we're not even... We weren't even worshiping Baal or Balaam or whatever they called it. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they thought they were righteous and doing everything because they're doing it in the name of love or, you know, they're just being misled. And it's, yeah, I feel like if there's ever, I mean, if there's any part that we need to reach out to, it's these poor people that are being misled in these churches that they think that they're doing right. They think that they're worshiping God. They think that they're, you know, pleasing God. Yeah. And I think a lot of them are just being deceived. Um, yeah. I don't think they're intentionally doing it. I don't think they... Well, and like we know, Satan can just twist scripture a tiny little bit and make them think a certain way. And it's it's actually really hard, I think, to talk and try to, at least for me, to convince people otherwise. Because if they can spout off and quote scripture, you know, I can't do that. I have to have my Bible in front of me. I don't like have it memorized. But some people can spout stuff off. But if they're using it in the wrong context, you know... You know, Satan's just sitting there like, you know, just this is a show to him that here, you know, somebody who might really understand it but can't quote it in your face is struggling to make progress with someone like that. You know, mm -hmm. it's hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then one other thing, too, when yeah. you were talking about the uh, donkey in the feet and all that and... <laughs> I don't know if it was a quote you were reading where you were basically talking like how she was like chasing after and devouring and it seemed like the female was like trying to go after and tear everything mm. down. It's just totally what you see with the feminist movement. I mean, even amongst, again, amongst Christians, this famous lady who wrote this book for all these Christian women to read and the whole premise of the book is that God wants you to succeed and he wants you to be on top and he wants you to be motivated and like totally just brainwashing all these Christian women who think, oh, listen, I'm going to be, you know, I'm more than just a stay-at-home mom and I can do this and, and like totally making their identity about themselves and what they can achieve and all this stuff. And it's just like, you know, even just trying to seep into that, that community, that niche of Christian women that want to do well and want to do right, and it's just totally feminism just being disguised, you know, so mm -hmm. it's coming from everywhere, and it just reminded me of that, that 
came into my head when you were talking about that female like just going out to devour it's like it's just feminism all over this country yeah i hadn't thought about that but that's actually uh, that's a good point you brought up because you think of a, a lot of men today uh, their their wives actually lead them into idolatry because, you know, the wives, it's all touchy-feely, it's about love and all this, and they actually pull them along with them to go in search of these false gods, and, uh, and they follow. I mean, I see a lot of men that are controlled by their wives. I see a lot. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, somewhere there's the woman's just a really hardcore radical liberal, and the husband's just kind of, you know... He's not really a hardcore liberal, but she keeps pulling him that way, and maybe he doesn't want to be like that, but then she's, you know, the one leading the family to... Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I've happy seen that. Life, happy life. <laughs> and, and the, do as you're told. Right. And the wife will just be this super... She's, she's such a righteous liberal and everything, you know. And, or just a bleeding heart, too. Or a bleeding yeah, heart, yeah. Bleeding heart in there. Yep. Just like that. Ass and heat. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great analogy. Yeah. 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 Uh, those animals can teach us a lot of lessons. <laughs> right. Overcomers is brought to you by the tithes and offerings of our listeners. If you would like to support our ministry, please go to ChristianOvercomers.com. God bless you. And thank you for your support. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He is loose the faithful lightning of his terrible sword. His truth is marching on.